Welcome, everyone, to episode number 13 of Polar Opposites. Spencer Byers alongside Cajun Theroux, Danny Caslam. And again, Cajun, like I did with Al on Tuesday, we're not going to mention any other topics first. We're going to lead off with a question that is going to be led in from Tuesday. So at the very end of the outrage on Tuesday, Alain Kevion, in his almighty wisdom, decided to ask me a question that I didn't ask you because I didn't I didn't think about posing it this way. So we talked about, I believe the week before, the players' participation policy changes, the big fines, and, you know, first violation of it is 100K, second violation is 250K, third violation and anything after the third violation is a million per violation. And it's based on star sitting and and making guys not participate when they are healthy and they're just healthy scratches and trying to make sure guys do participate in games and just trying to continue to push the point of this is an 82-game season, as Commissioner Adam Silver said. And the question Al posed to me, which now will be posed to you, Cajun Theory Tandy Castle, we posed to you, who will break the new policy first? Who will get the first $100,000 fine from the NBA for breaking the new player participation policy rule set? Or at least the new fines for the rule set. Because I have Alan I's answers. I'm not even going to tell you them yet. I want you to give me your first answer. And then I'll tell you who Alan I picked. And we'll see if that changes your mind. Mm-hmm. So who do you think is going to break it first? Who's going to get the first $100,000 fine? Who's going to get the first six-figure fine in the NBA this year? See, for me, it came down to two teams. And it ain't the two teams that you think. It came down to one team in the West who just acquired an aging point guard and one team in the East who's notoriously known for resting stars here and there. But I got to go with the Miami Heat. Ooh. I kind of like that shout. And I'll make sure I mention here is as we are getting some feedback there, Cajun, is you are on the road. We're having to do this kind of a uh, little more makeshift than we normally do is you got to go to work. I got some stuff I got to do later tonight. So you, the only time to be able to do this was right now. So there will be a little bit of feedback on Cajun's end. Don't worry about it. We know. It's just, it's got to, you know, it's kind of, we couldn't do it yesterday. We got to do it today. We can't do it later. So we got to do it now. You always say the Miami Heat. Well, I'll tell you who Al and I picked. I picked the Philadelphia 76ers because I'm thinking they're still going to have Harden by the time the season starts. He's going to force a sit because he's not going to want to play. I feel like Embiid's going to force a sit because he's injury prone. He's a Band-Aid. And that's where I feel like they're going to violate it. It's somewhere in that trying to manipulate it. And then Al said Phoenix. Which I don't even think is a bad shout with Durant, Beal, and Booker. And even, I think, DeAndre Ayton counts. I think he's made an all-star game or an LNBA team in the last three years. I don't know that for a fact, but I just feel like he's either been close or m- maybe did. But regardless, Cajun... I'm, I don't think what? he has. Ayton hasn't. Ayton has not. Well, then, it, it, would, just, it would just be then Beal, Durant, and, and Booker, then, that would be able to violate it for, for Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So why do you say Miami? Because Miami does not care about the regular season. That, that not, as that... Mu- not as much as other teams. Not as much as, like, say, the Sixers. Because the Sixers need all the wins that they can get. They especially need... If Harden's like, sit. Especially if Harden's going to sit exactly. Especially, like, with the Harden saga, Joel and B being as injury-prone as it is. Philadelphia's going to need all those wins. They can't really afford to sit, guys. And um, it'd be interesting to see what happens with the James Harden saga. Um, And then Phoenix. I think Phoenix will get fined for this eventually, but not to start off the season. Because they need need to get chemistry. They they need to get that chemistry between Beal, Booker, and Durant in place. First, before and get some uh, get a hell uh, get some wins, get some wins in place before any of that happens. Why so, I say Miami? Why I say Miami is because from as proven from last year, they don't need they 
didn't really win that many games during the regular season, but that didn't stop them from making the NBA Finals. So they're going to do what it takes to keep their stars fresh, especially Jimmy Butler for the postseason. So I can easily see Miami being the first team to like get uh, to be in violation of this. Do they even have two guys who fit the criteria though? Like, does does is Bam fit the criteria? I guess Lowry might fit the criteria. Well, obviously, Jimmy Butler fits the criteria of an All Star game or All NBA team within the last three years. I assume Lowry fits the criteria. I don't know if I don't think Tyler Hero fits the criteria. I don't think so. At least I don't I don't know if Bam does. Bam's made an All Star game though. I think. Well, and that's kind of my thing is I don't really know because let's be honest, Cajun, between you and I, and I think that I just goes for all the sports I pay attention to, I could give I, I, I couldn't care less about the All-Star game. A- any All-Star game. Pro Bowl football, All-Star games, hockey, baseball, basketball, even the footy, because yep. I, I don't pay attention to the MLS. But All-Star games don't matter. No one cares about them. There's a reason why the ratings always suck across the board for just about all of them, is because no one cares. There's no jeopardy there, there's no interest there for most fans that are above the age of, I'd say, 16, even maybe younger than that. But even if there's guys you like in it, like Tatum for the Celtics or, you know, Bruins or or Niners, Pro Bowl, et cetera. You just listed your favorite teams all in one. I I didn't say Yankees, though, but including them as well, yeah. Well, normally my team's got a lot of guys going. You know, Tatum gets to go for the Celtics. The Niners are, you know, right now the betting odds favorites to win the Super Bowl this year. I already placed that bet long before the season even started, so I got the best odds I could on that one, Cajun. You know, but... You're going to lose? What? No, to win the Super Bowl. What do you mean lose? Lose what? Huh? <laughs> Come on now. They're the betting odds favorites right now to win the Super Bowl. But before we continue on with our football conversation, because, you know, I did beat you in fantasy a couple weeks ago. I'm now 1-1, one one, sadly. But, you know, that's because A.J. Brown couldn't catch a beach ball on uh, Thursday night. But anyway... You need a, a Kadarius Tony in week one. I mean, yeah, but Kadarius Tony always sucks. You know, at least AJ Brown's a really good wide receiver. You know, in fairness to in fairness to me, you know, and actually tonight yeah. the Niners play. They play against the Giants, who took six quarters to score their first their first points of the year. <laughs> but hey, they still won their game of the year. Yeah, that's because the Arizona Coyotes. There was a card. I was like Coyotes, but they, yeah, the Coyotes suck too. Even though I I, I like them and <laughs> Cardinals suck. Arizona's got a bunch of bad teams. They're literally banking on the Suns right now to win something. And no offense to the Diamondbacks, but they're young. They'll get there day. But right now, it's all the eggs are in the Phoenix Suns basket in the uh, mm-hmm. in the Phoenix market. But um, yep. I do want to get to this case. We'll go to this next. So the other topic we're going to talk about. So the Raptors are apparently in the mix for Damian Lillard, which is very interesting. With what Lillard said about, I only would show up to camp or try, try to try. I think it's training camp with either the Heat or the Blazers. The Raptors obviously not one of those two teams, so it'll really be really interesting if Masai makes a swing for Damian Lillard. WNBA are now into the conference finals or the semifinals rather, because they just do one through eight. They don't do actually conference versus conference, but regardless, it's down to the fi- semifinals. So we are almost to the finals of the WNBA season. Cage wants to talk mm-hmm. about top five coaches in the NBA, which is going to be a really interesting conversation. We're probably going to go about a half hour on that because there's so many variables and so many good coaches in the NBA relative. There's a lot of coaches I don't like in the NBA, but there's a lot of coaches that are really good in the NBA. I'd say it's about half and half. So we're going to argue the half that are really good coaches that deserve to be mentioned in a top five list of best NBA coaches right now that are that are employed. But first, which is top of the top of the top of the marquee. Which players should come back to the NBA? Which players should be back in the NBA? And you got to list here uh, three names. I'm going to start with Dwight Howard because Dwight Howard is visiting with the Golden State Warriors. Was at least. I believe he's already made his visit to Golden State to uh, San Francisco. Cajun, the Taiwan MVP. Do you think Dwight Howard will be back in the NBA or do you think he'll be stuck back out in um, back out in the East? Far East, I guess I should say. Now, do I think he should be back? Yes. Do I think he will be back? I don't know. Because teams these days want to play a certain amount of style. And let's be real here. There's a lot of league politics. 
and based off of past reputations. DeMarcus Cousins is a pro DeMarcus Cousins is a prime example of this. But um, Dwight Howard's evolved. There was one there, at one point he didn't really adjust and didn't really accept the fact that he wasn't the same defensive player of the year beast that he was in his Orlando Magic days. But give him credit. In the 2019-20 season, he embraced being a backup big and played that role efficiently. And that's all. And that, to me, that's what Golden State needs. Because, sure, Kavon Looney's a beast on the offensive glass, but Kavon Looney can only do so much. Eventually, he's going to have to sit. Eventually, he's going to have to sit. And somebody's going to have to continue that on the glass because it hurt them in the, in the second round against the Lakers. Lakers feasted on, feasted on the Warriors on the inside. So I think Howard to the Warriors would be a good fit. But it also came out that the Warriors want to make sure they're absolutely certain he can be an integral piece to their title hopes. Well, they need a bit. Well, they need a backup big that knows his role and does it well. And Howard has proven that he's done that on a championship team in with the Lakers in 2020. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I talk about a guy who would be able to good matchup against the Lakers. Talk about a guy that's played for the Lakers. Like Dwight Howard is a former Laker, won during the bubble year in, at Disney, Disney. I think Disneyland. It's the one in Florida. I'm not sure if it's World or Land. I know it's one of the two. Actually, I think it's Disney, Disney World, World in Florida. Disneyland's in, in California. I've been to Disney World, never been to Disneyland, never been to California, sadly. But regardless, you know, Dwight Howard, I would almost go say is, is the perfect fit because he please played for the Lakers. He'd be able to help them if they match up again against LeBron James and, and Anthony Data Davis. But regardless of that, you know, they do need to back up big. I'd argue he could actually help against Denver too with Jokic with Jokic because during that bubble now, Jokic has been a lot better ever since. But Jokic struggled with physicality, with like Biggs being physical against him, with Dwight Howard and JaVel McGee in the 2020 bubble. So he's useful even for that situation too. I'm like, it just boggles my mind that some of these players can't play compared to other players in the NBA. It just boggles my mind that they're not in the NBA right now. Well, and another player, I think I'm going to go with it, another big, also former Laker, DeMarcus Cousins. Now, this one for me, Cajun, I I love DeMarcus Cousins. I loved him when he was sac with Sacramento Kings. This is the only bright spot on those lowly Kings. I liked him when he went to the Pelicans, when it was him and Anthony Davis together as a duo in the paint. They, If they could have stayed healthy together, they would have been unstoppable. They just never could stay healthy at the same time, and then it got dismantled about as fast as it got put together. But mm -hmm. since... I don't know if it was an Achilles or an ACL, but something to do with his leg. I want to say it was his Achilles with the Pelicans, but regardless. It was Achilles. It, I thought it was Achilles. He has never been the same. And I don't know if he's got the juice to play in the NBA anymore. I don't know. Like, I, I'd like to think he could, but I don't know if he's got that, 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 that ability, that athleticism anymore. So many years after the, the Achilles tear, his game wasn't really predicated on athleticism before, but it's after what, what he had, the Achilles tear did, right? So it's just, it's it's definitely worrying that, you know, of how much athleticism he lost of it. But I hope he comes back. I don't know if a team will give him a chance. But what do you think? Do you think that Marcus Cousins will be or should be back in the NBA next year, this coming year, should, in about a month's should time? Should be. Should be. And um, this comes down to whether he can embrace playing a 15 to 20 minute role off the bench. Because he's not the same player. He, like, you're right. He's not the same player that he was before. Um, at the same time, he does have N he does have NBA talent. He can stretch the floor. He can, he can work on the inside. Now, defensively, it might be a little bit of an issue, but... Who, who who really does play defense in the NBA nowadays? Um, There's a reason why you call it defense. Yes, sir. But um, the more pressing, and I think 
this has turned into an overblown issue is his attitude. Because I'm like, he's not the same player as he was in Sacramento. And I'd argue a lot of that frustration has to do with the fact that he played for a Kings franchise that was absolutely going nowhere. And um, you can't argue about this dude's passion to win and and, and all. And, and I, I can guarantee you he's better than 30%, at least like 25 to 30% of the players that are in the NBA right now. Why not give him a, why not give him a shot? Like say somebody like somebody like the Warriors too. Need a bruising physical presence. He is a physical pro post presence who can stretch the floor out of him. Like somebody like Somebody like Philly who needs a who needs a backup big with Joel and with Joel and Bead um being injury pro. There's a place for him in the league. And what kind of does hurt him and what kind of does hurt him with in terms of like the attitude issues and maturity is that he's been and I feel like he's being held back for what he was as a Sacramento King. And that that ain't fair. And that ain't fair. And I think there's a place for I think there's a place for him in the league. And it just reminds me of like the situation with Carmelo Anthony, like how he how he wasn't in the league for like almost a year, actually over a year, after six games with the Houston Rockets. Players were trying to players were just wondering like why is he still why is he out the league? This kind of reminds me of that. Well, and the last one, Cajun, you put down on the list is Isaiah Thomas. We don't mean Isaiah Thomas like the Detroit Pistons Isaiah Thomas. We mean the Boston Celtic first-team All-NBA Isaiah Thomas, who basically from that moment with the Boston Celtics when he got hurt at the end of that season in the playoff run, never been the same again. When he got traded to Cleveland for, Kara, uh, for uh, pardon me, Kyrie Irving, spent the first couple months off with injury, then started playing and it just never seemed to click with, with the Cleveland Cavaliers having problems in the locker room, having, you know, just problems with his play. And since that moment really has never been able to figure it out since. So what's your opinion, Cajun on Isaiah Thomas? Will he or should he be back in the NBA? And if you think he should be, where does he fit in as a point guard, which I think kind of fits in with DeMarcus Cousins? We can, you can always see the offensive skill Thomas has, but defensively, because of his small stature, he's only 5'8", really does struggle on that defensive end. Well, that's what hurts him. His small stature hurting him on the defensive end, and it hurt him defensively even when he was an all-NBA first-teamer when he had those great seasons with the Boston Celtics. He but, was averaging 32 points a game, Cajun, so it didn't matter how bad he was defensively. He knew You knew he was going to outscore whoever he was guarding, which now yep. he doesn't really have that ability. At least he has not had that ability since leaving Boston. But it comes down to can he embrace a ventral? And I think that's the biggest question. Can he embrace a bench roll and thrive in it? Because he can score. He can still score. There's always a place for microwave bench that scores off of off the bench. The problem is, can he embrace it? And he has to embrace it because that's all he can really give to a team. Since his height kind of prevents him from being an elite option defensively. Now with that being now with that being said, I always I'm always I'm always a sucker for like people coming back into the NBA and thriving. So I think there's a place for Isaiah Thomas in the NBA. But there's there's only a select few teams that I feel like he could be a be- a good fit in terms of that roster. In terms of their roster, um, literally the only 
maybe the only team that comes to mind and it's still and it might be a very volatile pick but maybe the only team that comes to mind because you can never ask for too much playmaking and it might be a good flyer to take on the Clippers because you can never have enough offense and I feel like they have enough wings to cover for a shortcoming on the defensive end too. But that might be the only team that I could think of that he'd be best equipped for. Well, I guess we'll see if Dwight Howard, DeMarcus Cousins, or Isaiah Thomas do make a return to the NBA courts in about a month's time. But now on to our top five NBA coaches. Now, Cajun, there are a lot of great NBA coaches. And there are a lot of bad ones. And there's a lot of bad ones. A lot of ones you and I don't like. A lot of of ones we do like. A lot of ones we don't like. I'm going to start off with saying, as I look at the W, the, the, not, pardon me, W, the NBCA, which is the National Basketball Coaches Association website, which has all of the NBA coaches up to date. The only two coaches to have a suit and tie on, like you and I would in the booth, that don't have team merch on in their picture in their headshot on the website is Darko Ryjakovic Ryakovic of the Toronto Raptors and Taylor Jenkins of the Memphis Grizzlies they're the only two that do not have See, some Ry- sort of jumper from the team shop the Ry- the Ryjakovic I can understand Jenkins was a bit surprising though yeah, from Memphis. And I will quickly say, we're not going to talk about coaches that are just being hired to their organizations. So no offense to M.A. Udoka. Like or dislike him for his personal life. He did lead the Boston Celtics to an NBA Finals. He's now in Houston. We will not include him. Obviously, Darko. We won't include... Um, I'm trying to look. I think Chauncey Billups has coached much with the Portland Trailblazers. I'm trying to look for other coaches I know are new. Wes, Arns- on- Wes Unsell with, um, with Washington Wait, Rebuilding. Yeah. Um, Adrian Snyder? Griffin, Adrian Griffin with Milwaukee, uh, Monty Quinn Williams with now with, yeah, Quinn Schneider now with the Hawks. He got hired midseason. Monty Williams now with Detroit. He might still get mentioned because of his run in, in, um, in, in, uh, Phoenix, but regardless, um, obviously Nick Nurse now with Philadelphia going from Toronto. We'll talk about if he makes the top five, but you know, coaches who are kind of new to the league, we won't talk about coaches like Monty Williams and, and, and Nick nurse will have resumes before going to their new teams. They will be included. So Cajun, do you have a top five in mind? You want to start listing off coaches that, you know, do, do, or don't they make a top five and we'll, we can make a top five together. We can make our own top fives. What are you thinking for this? I think we can make a top five together for this. Okay, well, I'm going to start from the Western Conference, and we'll go to the East, okay? All right. Does Greg Popovich get into a top five NBA coaches? All time he does. Like, let's not take anything away from Greg Popovich and what he's been able to do. All right? He's already a a greatest coach of all time conversation with Bill Jackson and and, uh, the great Boston coach that's now skipping my mind, Cajun. Don't make fun of me. I genuinely, my brain is Red Arbach before I mess that up. Thank you. You almost gave it. You you almost took it, but I got it, Red Arbach. But does Greg Popovich make a top five today with his new contract? No. I don't disagree, but it feels like he's – I think he's still top ten. And I think Yoshiro like Lembanyama is going to be a big tell in that. Took the words right out of my mouth. What he does with Wembanyama during year one and how the Spurs progress in this rebuild, at least this season, excuse me, um, will determine whether he's a top, whether he's still a top five NBA coach. Because in fairness, he's had to deal with the rebuild, and now he's got the crown jewel in Victor Wembanyama. It'll be interesting to see how he handles handles like his playtime, his minutes distribution, how he plays on the floor because he's a unicorn. Um, and he's done it successfully in the past with David Robinson and Tim Duncan. If he de- if he manages to do the same with Victor Minyama, he's easily a top five NBA coach. But right now, no. Well, right now, it's a wait and see. What? Right now, it's just wait and see mode. 
definitely agree, but I still think he's top 10 coach in the NBA, even without Wemanyama. I still think he's top 10 coaches in the NBA. Top five, I agree with you. He's kind of on that standby list. Now, the rest of that Southwest Conference, because they're, they're Southwest Division, pardon me, they're all in division base. So I'll just finish with Willie Green, New Orleans. Absolutely not. Ima Udoka, as we mentioned, absolutely not. He's only had one season of NBA coaching. Two, technically, if you include the year he got taken away from his suspension from the Boston Celtics. And Jason Kidd, Jason Kidd's not a top five coach in the NBA. And then Taylor Ooh. Jenkins with Memphis. I would say no, because I've never even heard of him, to be honest with you. Like, I, if you, I guess I wouldn't have known who the Memphis Grizzlies co- head coach was, but I don't think Taylor Jenkins either, even though with a suit makes me want to put him in top five, because you and I both know I'm a sucker for a guy who doesn't want to wear the team apparel and wears a suit. But I don't think anyone from that, South, or that Southwest division in the Western Conference makes it to our top five list. Do you agree? I agree, but I think Popovich and maybe Taylor Jenkins, depending on, and Taylor Jenkins, it's a, it's a wait and see mode too, because it Morant. remains to be John Morant since in 25 games. He does not have the luxury of playing Tyus Jones anymore. So it'll be very interesting, interesting to see how these first 25 games of the NBA season get ha- gets handled, and more importantly, how he integrates Marcus Smart into that Grizzlies rotation. If he integrates them seamlessly in the Grizzlies start off without any hitches, maybe just, and they actually have some playoff success. Maybe, just maybe, you got to put Taylor Jenkins on that top five list. Well, I was debating if I start with him or end with him. I'm going to start with him, Cajun, because we all both know he makes the top five list. This is where does he land? Steve Kerr of the Golden State Warriors. I think Steve Kerr's got to be on the top five list of best coaches in the NBA. Where does he fit in the top five? Does Steve Kerr? Because I think he could be anywhere from three, two, or one. Because Golden State's had a run with him as head coach that very few teams have ever had. Like Phil Jackson, obviously. Red Arbach, obviously. Greg Popovich, technically, obviously. Like Steve Kerr's in that, but he's right in the middle of it. He's not like Greg, who's at the end of it, or Red or Red or Phil that are done, that have been done. Steve Kerr's still in the kind of middle of that championship runs yeah they've kind of stopped but you still think that team could win a championship with cp3 now coming off the bench and curry and and clay thompson you know and okay we've been talking about Kyle looney and stuff like that and they're all their young guys they got coming off the bench you know you wish you would have saw more development out of them which maybe takes them a little bit out of the the number one number two conversation but where does steve kerr for you make it in our top five does he make the top five i think that's obviously yes where does he fit in the top five see for me I think he's either three, four, or five. And I'm well, say- I said he could fit three, two, or one. So let's talk about four, because I he has to make top five, Cajun. I think you and I could both agree yeah. he has to make top five. So if I say three, two, one, but say he probably shouldn't make two or one because of the young guys not developing properly, and you say three, four, five, can we agree on a four for Steve Kerr right now? Yeah. And we'll lock it in. Steve Curry's number four in best coaches in the NBA right now is Steve Kerr, former Chicago Bull, playing under Steve Phil Jackson. And I think the biggest difference between Kerr and, say, somebody like Popovich, like all time, Popovich knew how to adjust between eras to a degree. It was first David Robinson and Tim Duncan, then Tim Duncan with Parker and Ginobili. Then when Tim Duncan was starting to then more so the Tony Parker show. And then he integrated Kawhi in it. Obviously, that didn't turn out great in the end. But still, um, Steve Kerr, at least with the young guys, and especially with what happened with Jordan Poole and now, and Kaminga not getting enough minutes, like James Wiseman getting dealt after being basically forced to the G League. Yeah, um, that hurts him. That hurts him in terms of, like, top five rankings. Uh, I agree. So, this season is going to be very interesting. Will he give – how is he going to – how will he incorporate Chris Paul into the mix with with Steph Curry with, with Steph Curry there? Will he give Johnson Kaminga more minutes? What happens with Moses Moody? What happens with all these guys? 
who's going to take over that Jordan Poole role? Well, like, Poole role aside from CP3, because let's be real, CP3, he's a great playmaker, but at this stage of his career... Not the score he used to be. Not the score he used to be. So will Kuminga fill in that role? Like, it, it, there's a lot of questions. There's a lot more questions than answers. I definitely uh, agree. He could fall out of the list if, if, you know, they don't make that NBA Finals again soon-ish, and including that, and if the young guys continue to not develop. Absolutely. That's why I have him three, four, or five, because of that reason alone. Well, he's uh, now locked in to the number four spot, Cajun. I would like to continue. So let's go the rest of the Pacific Division. There's one other coach that might make top five. I'm not sure. He's probably also on standby for a completely different reason than Greg Popovich. But the rest of the Pacific coaches, and these next three, I do not want to put in the top five. I don't like they deserve to be in the top five. Tyron Liu does not make a top five for me. The Los Angeles Clippers head coach. He is close. He's close. See, for me, he's not. For me, I, I just don't like Tyron Liu. I can't explain it. Not you know. I think it was just because he was a Cavs head coach, which I never really gave much respect to. I think the Clippers has definitely improved his stock, but I still feel like he doesn't make a top five. You say he's on standby, so he definitely does not make our top five. Darvin Ham obviously does not make a top five list of anybody. Mm-hmm. He might make a he honestly might make a top five worst NBA coaches right now, honestly. Um, Frank Bogle does not make a top five for me. He's not really close, but like he'd be like nine or ten, maybe talk for me. Because he has had success at previous locations, now in the Phoenix with the Suns. We'll see how he does with that absolute calamity of Booker, Beal, and Durant. Yep. But I don't think Vogel makes it for me. And then Mike Brown for the Sacramento Kings. Mike Brown had a great year with Sacramento, got him to the three seed in the Western Conference. Obviously did not beat the Golden State Warriors, but in that first round matchup, but still— had a great year with some with DeMontis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox. Their first great season in God knows how long, since the early 2000s, just about, with Chris Webber. Does Mike Brown make a top five list yet, or is he still on standby because we need to see it a couple more times? Because for me, he's right there because of how good that Sacramento team was offensively, but I, I need to see it again, Cage. I need, I need it to be somewhat sustained success before we can put him on a top five list. What do you think? I think I got to think about this one. Like Mike Brown's kind of one of those guys where it's like he had that really bad beginning of his career where he really struggled, then became an assistant with Golden State for the, quite a few years, and then goes Sacramento last year, and they have such a good season last year with such good vibes, light the beam, all that stuff in Sacramento. They're going in at season number two. You'd expect them to be just as good, if not better, this year with some free agent mm-hmm. signings and 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 continuing that on. But for me, Mike Brown is just not in the top five because like, I got to see it a couple more times, Cajun, before I can say definitively he's a top five coach. But he's about as close as you can get, I think, to being a top five head coach in the NBA. See, I would say he's five. Can we put him on standby? And we'll see if we have a five, if we have four guys that are better. Yeah, um, but the reason why I kind of like I'm leaning towards it, he was a defensive coach first. Back when he was coaching the Cavs with LeBron in the mix. But he, and he was a defensive-minded coach with no regard for offense. Now look at what he's turned into. He's, he's gone the work done as an assistant assist coach, that with the Warriors staff. And he's turned into an offensive juggernaut of a coach. Like, he's really turned his fortunes around and, like, Good, co- great coaches make adjustments. Mike Brown has done that dramatically at that too. So, for that reason alone, I know it has. It's only been one season, but the fact that not only did he turn it around, like from a defensive coach to an offensive coach, and he still got some defensive principles in him. So, Sacramento might be a better defensive team than people might think for this for this coming season with another year under Mike Brown. He turned that Kings franchise around. That's not easy to do. It is not. It is not. Now, Cage, the next one, easily top five head coach. Where is he in the top five? Mike Malone. Michael Malone 
Denver Nuggets head coach, reigning NBA champion, national champion, if you're, you know, Noah Lyles. Where does Malone fit in our top five, Cajun? Because I think he's got to be top three. Because that Denver team's been good for how long? The development of Nikola Jokic, the development of Michael Porter Jr., the, the continued development, even with the injuries of Jamal Murray. You know, Bruce Brown was great off their bench. You know, the Nuggets have had so many great stories, and they finally get that NBA championship. Where does Malone fit? Because I don't think he's one, but he's two or three, you got to think. I'm going to say three with an opportunity to move up to two, depending on like, depending on how, like how this coaching rank goes, coaching ranks goes about. Cause he's finally got the one thing that's kind of eluded him and that's the ring. Well, he's slotted in now at the three slot. We'll see if he moves up or down as we continue this on Cajun. But right now, Mike Malone, three, Steve Kerr, four, Mike Brown in a six spot, seeing if we can get him in that five spot. And then Greg Popovich right now the closest to being on the list that isn't, other than, of course, Mike Brown. I think the rest of the Western Conference coaches do not even deserve a mention, really. Chris Finch with Minnesota, absolutely not. Does not make a list. Chauncey Billis with the Portland Trailblazers, maybe in a couple of years if Scoot Henderson develops and that young team, Shaden Sharp, and all those guys develop and they become a good team. But right now, no, Chauncey Billups does not deserve to be in the top five of anything. Um, Will Hardy with Utah. They had a great start to the year Utah did last year with him as head coach. They struggled near the end. They weren't a really good team. No one really expected them to be any good. Laurie Markin had a great resurgence with Utah. Maybe that's up to Will Hardy. I don't think he deserves to be in the top five, but he's on that list of like, wait, watch and see. One of the young, really young head coaches that we just kind of circle and go, watch what Utah does in the next three to five years. And maybe Will Hardy, we circle back and say, Will Hardy is a top five coach in the NBA. I'm going to say one more name, one more name, Mark Diagno. I would honestly, yeah, with Oklahoma City, Mark Diagno, I, 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 didn't, I didn't know how to pronounce that one yet, so I was kind of waiting either for you to say it or for me to get, get to it there for Oklahoma City. I don't know if he makes it. I think he's behind Mike Brown for me, which would mean he's not in our top five because we don't have a five right now. I, I mean, he's in the same conversation as Will Hardy. I, I agree with you, actually. Yeah, you know what? You're you're right. That they're young guys that you just kind of circle and you put in that waiting, and you want to see in a couple of years when those teams are more in their their prime with their top guys and see where they are. Yeah. I think Oklahoma City was closer than Utah, so Mark's probably closer than Will Hardy is to being on that list. Well, in fairness, Will Hardy just started. Mark exactly. He's only yeah. now a year and going to be a second, still going to his second year as head coach. Exactly. So now on to the East. And I'm going to start with this guy because I don't know where you're going to put him, Cajun, but I think I know and I agree with you. Eric Spolstra, Miami Heat. Does Spolstra get in the top five? My answer is yes. Where does he go now? Like, does he go above or below Mike Malone? Is NBA Finals combatant? He goes above. Do you think he goes two or is he number one right now? I think for now you got to put him one. Well, then I guess Eric Spolster is going number one because I knew he was going to be the top three. I just didn't know exactly if he was going to get above because there's a couple. There's one other guy right now in the East I, I think could easily mark him up, and I don't know what you think of Nick Nerf right now. Again, we'll get to him in a minute. But Eric Spolster right now is the best coach, in our opinion, in the NBA. Cajun, tell the folks why we think Eric Spolster is the best in the NBA. He's done more with less. He's literally done more with less. He's turned – he has – it, he has developed. He has overseen the development of so many guys that you think would have no business playing big roles like they have done in the playoffs. Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vincent, who just got a deal with the Lakers. Max Struess, he just went to the Cavs. Caleb Martin, who I know you hate, um, for both our, Martin brothers, by the way. Both Martin, but I don't know if Cody was ever on the Heat though. I feel like he was, but maybe I am wrong. I think they were both on the Hornets, but Caleb wins the Heat. Yeah. Who has uh, been great with the Heat, as you mentioned. Um, to my ire, might I add. <laughs> at your at your expense, uh, at, at your expense too. But um. And again, it's been sustained, right, Cage? He had the Heat. He had the you know 
he was the head coach after um after oh, before I mess up his name, dear lord. Um, the GM right now, president of basketball ops, Cage. And why am I Pat blanking Riley. on his name? Pat Riley. Pat Riley. Thank you, Pat Riley. After he gave up uh, the head coach after they won the championship with Shaq and and uh, and Dwayne Wade, Spolster took over, had the Shaq and Dwayne Wade ending, and then had LeBron Wade and Bosh won a championship with a couple championships with them. Then they leave. Then he just got Wade. Then Wade leaves, and then he's got just about nobody. And then they get Jimmy Butler. He's been through so many iterations of the Miami Heat that he's got to be number one because they've always been a good team. Like when's the last time the Heat sucked? Genuinely, like when's the last time they weren't good when they drafted Dwayne Wade, which was over 20 years ago now. So maybe that one year in which Shaq was hurt, but they bounced right back. Yeah, and and because of young guy Eric Spolster being their head coach, just about, and Stan Van Gundy before that. But regardless, he, 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 turned, what? What? he turned Hassan Whiteside into a useful NBA player who has been unsuccessful everywhere else. That's got to mean something. And again, you mentioned the undrafted Gabe Vincent. I don't know if Max Struess was drafted or if he was undrafted. I know Duncan Robinson, I believe, was undrafted. You know, all those guys that are undrafted. And then the guys that get drafted, like Bam Adebayo, you know, Tyler Hero, you know, the guys like that. Like, he has had success with all wide range of not drafted, top draft picks, second round picks. I think he easily goes number one. I agree with you. Eric Spolstra, number one best coach in the NBA right now as we record this on September 21st, 2023. It's about a month before the season starts. I don't think anybody else in this division makes it, the Southeast Division in the Eastern Conference. Um, Jamal Mosley with uh, the Orlando Magic. New in the job, kind of. Young team, not yet. Wait and see mode because Orlando's going to be better. You'd expect Wes Unsell with the Washington Wizards. They're just entering a rebuild, so he still has probably five years before we even can guess what he's going to be like as an, as an NBA coach. Steve Clifford with the Charlotte Hornets. I don't think it's anything to do with their coaching. I think they've been a horribly run organization under Michael Jordan. They're now sold. We'll see what they can do in the future. And then Quinn Schneider, former Jazz head coach, now with Atlanta Hawks. I'm kind of on the fence with him because he, I don't think he's top five. I think he's a good coach. I think he, I don't think he's top five. He had good, some good years in Utah when they had Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley and some other young, other guys in that rotation that were really good. Never really got Donovan Mitchell. in. Donovan Mitchell, of course. How can I forget that? You know, um, now he's obviously with Atlanta. We'll see if he can make Atlanta better with Trey Young and uh, Dejounte uh, Dejounte Murray. Pardon me, and all the young guys they've got. They go Conquo and and a couple other guys. But I think he's kind of more of a wait and see as well, even though he's been in the, in the league. You know, it's kind of wait and see with the new team because Atlanta's in that weird spot where they're kind of mediocrity. They're not good, but they're not bad. You know what I mean? So they're kind of stuck in the middle there for me. Um, Now, trying to find a best coach in the Central. And actually, I can't believe I missed him. Rick Carlisle with the Indiana Pacers, Cajun. He's got to be in the top five. Got to be in the top five. Yes. I think Carlos Carlos got okay, but does he go two or does he go three and we put Mike Malone at two? I think so I'm not sure if Rick Carlisle's better than Mike Malone, even though they both got NBA championships. I think all time he's better than Mike Malone. I think right now you gotta give Mike Malone the benefit of the doubt that he just won an NBA title. Um, so, so what do you think, Cage? Mike Malone, two. Rick Carlisle, three. All right. So right now we have a top four. Eric Spolstra, Mike Malone, Rick Carlisle, and Steve Kerr. Right now our top our top five. We need, still need to find a five. And I think right now Mike Brown still got a couple guys he, might to, he has to fight through. But we'll see if, if Mike Brown can be our fifth guy or if he'll lose out to one of the other Eastern Conference coaches. As I quickly fix up the uh, list here. Carlisle. And um, I think Carlisle kind of explains himself, right? He was great with uh, with um, Mavericks, winning a championship with with uh, against ironically against Eric Spolster and the Miami Heat with Dirk Nowinski, and then with with was Indiana before that had some really good teams in Indiana. He then goes to Dallas, has some really good teams. 
wins a championship and then comes back to Indiana. And this year, I think, honestly, this year could make Rick Carlisle the best coach in the NBA. And here's why. Because they had a good year this year, did in Indiana. And they have so many young pieces, so many young guys. They got Bruce Brown from the Nuggets to the Pacers. They got some good free agents. Obi Toppin as well from the New York Knicks. If the Pacers are a really good team this year, I think Rick Carlisle could shoot up this list, even though he's at three, which is already really high. I think he's still – I think it's – I don't know if he can usurp Eric Spolstra by the end of next season – by the end of this season, but he can easily go up to two. Easily. Unless Mike Malone goes back-to-back. Which would would honestly, I think you could argue over Spolster at that point because Mike, because Eric Spolster's only got, I believe, one ring as a head coach, and that means Mike Malone have two. Wait, wait, wait. No, he's he's had two. He has two. Oh, that'd be right because he won two with LeBron and and Wade and Bosh. That is that is my bad. But he's had two finals, two most recently. He's been in two finals. We're losing to uh to the Lakers. I want to say that was bubble year, and then be losing to the Nuggets this year. But we shall see if Rick Harlan can usurp Mike Malone. I would argue Indiana would. I would argue Indiana would have been a playoff playing team last season had Halliburton not gone hurt. Well, probably, probably because Halliburton's a great player. You and I will always sing Terry Halliburton's um, praises. Now, all we've got left is number five coach, bet, number five best coach in the NBA. One through four: Eric Spolster one, Mike Malone two, Rick Carlisle three, Steve Kerr four. Does Billy Donovan or Monty Williams make the top five list? I think Billy Donovan would have when he was with OKC, but now with Chicago, I don't think he does. No. No. And I, I, I would also say Monty Williams for me does not make a top five list. I think he's close, but I don't think so. And now he's with Detroit. So if he can turn around the Pistons, who have been so bad for so long— that could really propel him into this this top five list. Yep. But not right now. And then JB, um, make sure I don't miss that Bickerstaff of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't think he makes it in. If the Cavs go on a big run, though, and he's a benefactor of that, I think he could easily kind of move his way up the ladder of best NBA coaches there in Cleveland. Obviously, Adrian Griffin going to be his first year as an NBA coach. We won't put any expectations on him. Now to the last division, the Atlantic Division, Cajun. Obviously, again, Darko Ryakovich does not make this, obviously, because, again, going into his first year, you know, Raps are probably going to not be very good. We'll, we'll leave that there. Jacques Vaughn with the Brooklyn Nets. I don't think Jacques Vaughn makes the top five, but, again, I think he kind of has that circle around him of Brooklyn shouldn't be good, but if they are good with some of their young pieces, he could be the reason. Yep. So Jacques, Jacques Vaughn doesn't make the list, but I think Jacques Vaughn deserves a mention. Joe Mazzula, Boston Celtics. Had a good first year. You would have wished he had made the finals instead of losing to the Heat in the conference finals, but I don't think Mazzula makes top five either. But in three to five years, if the Celtics do end up winning one of those championships and they do go in a couple more deep runs, maybe he makes his way onto this list. Oh, he's definitely on that list of better. What do you say? Sorry. He's definitely on that list of that happens. Exactly. Tom Thibodeau. I don't think you and I would ever put Tom Thibodeau on a top five coaching list. Maybe in 2011. Yeah. Like, and I wouldn't say he's not a good coach. I just think he's so stubborn in what he wants to do that it takes away from how good of a coach he actually is. Mm. For me, especially. <laughs> he was the defensive mastermind behind that old way Celtics team. Exactly, with uh, Doc Rivers as the head coach. He was an assistant on that team, yep. Mm-hmm. But this ultimately gets in the way, and lack of offensive creativity. And lastly, Cajun, before we go, Nick Nurse. Does Nick Nurse usurp Mike Brown as number five? Does he usurp Mike Brown as a fit, as as that for that five spot? Because right now it's between Mike Brown and Nick Nurse, fifth best coach in the NBA. Does Nick Nurse do it? 
He obviously had a really bad year last year with the Raptors, who I think you and I would admit was not a really good basketball team. But obviously won the championship in 2019, his first year of coaching. has it was a so good the year before with a team that no one thought was going to be good in Scotty Barnes' rookie year. Scotty Barnes did kind of stagnate, but I'd say that's kind of a norm. We call it, we call it a sophomore slump for a reason, Cage. So does Nick Nurse and his limited sample size, and and in fairness, Mike, or Mike Brown's relatively small sample size, who gets the fifth spot between Nick Nurse and Mike Brown? Now, this is really close, and you really got to split hairs for this because if we're going by titles, Nick Nurse has it by a landslide. But in something that's this close, I think recency bias matters. And the fact of the matter is, there were so many issues with Nick Nurse, not not because of his head coaching, like not because of his coaching, but you also got to be a great motivator and like have great chemistry on top of that. And the Raptors were anything but that last season. That combined with the fact that Mike Brown turned it around as quickly as he did and won Coach of the Year puts. For me, Prince Brown, there's at six, but that could easily change if he bounces. If he bounces back to what he was like, say even twenty, like Barnes is working you. I would even say if the Sixers make the conference finals, I think he'll easily jump Brown, no matter what Sacramento does, because the Sixers have always been second round out, second round out, second round out. If they can make the conference finals, unless the Kings win the, win the NBA championship, I think Nick Nurse will surpass what Mike what Brown. But what if the Kings won a playoff round? See, I don't know. So See, again, it. It, that's the thing, right? Is is I don't know. Like, it does, you know, would the sample size still not be big enough for me for Mike Brown? I don't know. Because, again, he's only been the head coach for the Kings for one year. But it was a great year. And But Nick Nurse got the championship, right? Like, so. But at the end of the day, between five or six, or like two They're great coaches, great. like recent Matters. They're both great, but recency bias matters in this case. Well, and right now, now go ahead. Based off of what ha- based off of what had happened last season between those two coaches, I put Mike Brown at five. But that, but if Nurse bounces back, that changes real quick. He could easily be top three. Well, I'll end it off with this. Our top five goes as follows: Eric Spolster, number one best coach in the NBA. Mike Malone, the second best coach in the NBA. Number three goes to Rick Carlisle. Number four goes to Steve Kerr. I'll make sure I say Eric Spolster, Miami Heat, number one. Mike Malone, Denver Nuggets, number two. Rick Carlisle, Indiana Pacers, number three. Steve Kerr, Golden State Warriors, number four. And then Mike Brown, the Sacramento Kings, as the fifth best coach in the NBA, with Nick Nurse as a close number six on the list. Yep. And now we're quickly going to go to the Scrabble board cage. We don't have a whole lot of time here left. So I don't think we're going to get to Raptors in that 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 Dame conversation. We can talk about that next week because I don't expect Damian Lillard's going to be traded in a week. It's been so long in that Damian Lillard saga cage. I don't expect Lillard's going to get dealt. So we'll leave that till next week. We will talk about Damian Lillard and the mystery rumors now going to the, the, the Toronto Raptors and Woody Report and all, all that shenanigans. But we'll quickly go to the Scrabble board. Cage, are you ready? I know you're on your way to work. We'll try to do this quick. Yep. So first name, K-A-C-A-R-C-A. Ooh, before I mess that up, K-A-C-R-L. That's the name. K. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. K-A-C-R-L. Yep. You need a hint. Yes. Uh, no, no, I, th- I think I know the last name, but. She's the reigning sixth player of the year in the WNBA. Alicia Clark? Alicia Clark of the Las Vegas Aces was named the sixth player of the year for the 2023 season. As of three days ago. So big ups to the Las Vegas Aces' sixth player, Anna Alicia Clark. You ready for the next one? Yep. I'm going to switch names here quick. So I'm going to go with the harder one first so we can end with a uh, uh, another name. So D-A-H-L-N-O-L. 
And I expect you're going to need a hit with this one. Would you like a hint? Yep. Yep. He has stated he will be the first overall pick in the 2024 NBA draft. Ron Holland? Ron Holland of the G League Ignite team. He averaged he averaged 28 points, five and a half rebounds, and four steals in two games against some Aussie teams in the preseason of the G League um, Fall League uh, Invitational. They played against an Australian team from the NBL, the Perth Wildcats, and he averaged 28 and four steals in those two games. Yes. That's ridiculous, Cage. Ridiculous. So we'll see if he is the first overall pick in in a year's time, just about. But he has a lot. He doesn't have. A, he has a whole lot to prove. And I don't really hear any NCAA guys going number one. So we'll see if Holland ends up ironing himself out as the best NBA prospect going into uh, in the NBA draft. Sorry if you're hearing any bad feedback. That's me on the go train. On the go train. Who doesn't love the good old go train here in the GTA? The last name to end us off, Cajun. T-H-E-W-I. Derek White? What, sorry? It is not Derek Derek, White? It is not Derek White, but it is, you're close. The last name is correct, but it's not Derek White. It is a she, and she is a coach. Do you need a hint? Stephanie White? Stephanie White, who was named the WNBA Coach of the Year on September 17th. So the Connecticut Sun, Stephanie White, is the reigning defending Coach of the Year in the WNBA. So, Cajun, you are a 3-4-3 this week on the Scrabble board. And with our last couple of minutes, we're going to end with WNBA semifinals kickoff. The conference finals equivalent are now underway. It is the Dallas Wings versus Las Vegas Aces and the Connecticut Sun versus the New York Liberty. Now, no offense to Dallas Wings, but you'd expect the Aces to beat them in the one versus four seed, Las Vegas obviously being the one seed. But Liberty versus Sun, that should be a great series as those two teams were relatively close. I'll say relatively. Connecticut was a head and shoulders three seed, comparatively speaking to the Dallas, who Dallas was 22 and 18 as they were the four seed. Connecticut was 27 and 13 as the three seed. The New York Liberty were 20 or 32 and eight, and Las Vegas was 34 and six. So that three versus two seed should be a really interesting series between Connecticut and New York. Cajun, what do you think of the semifinals between Dallas, Las Vegas, New York versus Connecticut? We'll see. I think the one series that I can see turn into an upset, even though the Liberty did beat the Sweet the Suns in the regular season series, has to be the Sun and Liberty. Because of what Stephanie White's done with that group. And and I think it just comes like and it comes down to like sure the Liberty are talented. But they also but chemistry comes into play. The chemistry comes into play with the with with um, the Liberty in comparison to the Aces. Um, and the Liberty don't have that same chemistry that the Aces have, and plus the Aces have wanted all wanted all last year. So. I think the only upset that I can, I'd expect it to be the Aces and Liberty to 
be on a crash collision course for the WNBA title. But it would not shock me. It wouldn't shock me if the sun, if this Connecticut sun crashed the party. Because you got Alicia, Alyssa Thomas, Dewana Brown. Dewana Brown, Bonner, excuse me, sorry. Um, but Liberty have a tough test on their hands. And you can't say, you can't really say the same for the Aces. That's no offense to Dallas. It's just that Connecticut was a head and shoulders three seed. Compared to speaking to Dallas, who again only had 22 wins and was barely over 500 and with 18 losses. But I could argue for Dallas, like they're in a position, they're in a good position too, because nobody's expected them to do anything. So they can shock the world too. Is it as likely as Connecticut beating New York? No. But I've seen crazier things happen. So again, these series start up the 24th of September, which I believe is Sunday, and it is this coming Sunday is the beginning of the semifinals. So Las Vegas versus Dallas Wings, New New York versus Connecticut. Cajun will end off with this. I want a prediction, not necessarily how many games, but if you want to give me games, you can can. Best of five series. Who are the WNBA finalists of 2023? Aces and Liberty. Aces and I don't think it's going to be a sweep. I think Dallas takes one game. Unless Enrique Ogunbowale goes back goes crazy like he did in her Notre Dame day, which he had game winner game winner after game winner. I'm gonna say Dallas takes a game, but it's gonna be three one aces. And even though the Liberty have that disadvantage of sort of chemistry. I think that sort of gets over that. That might be, a, they'll prove that it's overblown, but this is going to be one close series. And I think the Liberty take it. And I think home court advantage matters. I think the Liberty take this one in five. Well, again, because it's a five game series, the first two games will be at Las Vegas and at New York. And then the games three and four will be at the lower seeds, meaning Connecticut and Dallas. And then game five, if needed, will be at the top seed, meaning New York or Las Vegas, if those series get that far. So I but agree I think, with you. Go ahead. But I think, but I think, but I, but with a little bit of a twist too. I think Connecticut take game one. Ooh. Well, I like that show. Uh, that again, it comes on Sunday of September 24th. So I guess we'll see if you're right, Cajun. By the time we come up with our next episode, which will be, I believe. It'll be Thursday, the 28th of September. We'll be getting just ready for game number three of those series. So we'll be able to bring you what we've seen in game one and two of the conference finals or the the semifinals, I guess I should say. And if Cajun's prediction was right, that Connecticut does upset New York in game one in Brooklyn. Because I think they're going to be determined to punch first. And Connecticut is the only series that went more than three games they went the full or went more than two games they are best of three in the first round they went the full three games they beat the minnesota Lynx to two one in their series the other three series were sweeps in favor of the top seeds las vegas dallas and new york respectively but i agree with you cajun i think las vegas aces beat dallas but i think it's a sweep no offense to the dallas wings i just think vegas is set on a second straight NBA or WNBA finals they sweep dallas wings they go undefeated to the finals and then I agree with you, the New York Liberty win their series over the Connecticut Sun. And I think it's a five-game series again. But I think they win game one, and then they lose game two in Brooklyn, and then have to split it in Connecticut. Yep. So I think New York in five, I think Vegas in three, and they meet in a collision course, which we all thought they would at the start of the big year. Liberty, Aces, WNBA Finals, starting on October 8th, when you and I start really ramping up our content going into the NBA season. Yep. And um, I think I said aces in four because I think Enrique Ogunbowale heroics will show up for one game. But that's just it. 
I'm a big fan of Satu Savali, who's a great player. Former Oregon Duck teammate of uh, Sabrina. So, Inescu. So, you know, they're a talented team, the Wings are. I'm not trying to say they're not talented. It's just I think Las Vegas got too much talent. Yeah. They're just so good everywhere, right? And I just – I don't know if the Wings are going to be able to steal a game, especially in Vegas. And then once you get to game three down 2-0, can they steal a game? I don't know. I want to see it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, Cage. I want to see it. I want to see it. Hey, uh, hey, hey to, to make things interesting, two five-game series. Yeah, you wish. Though, you know, I guess the fans hey, wish. Hey, man, would you not want to see a winner go home game five in both semifinals? Who wouldn't? Especially going into the finals? Who wouldn't? Especially given, like, how favored the Aces and Liberty were? Exactly. Like, that, that makes for great TV. It would make for great TV, and it would definitely help out the ratings of a league that people do continue to dog on the ratings. I'll say I, I included. So hopefully this playoff run, especially if the Aces play the Liberty, which will be a great five-game series in the WNBA Finals, if it turns out that way, if it turns out the way you and I predict, it will be a great series. And I think that series could propel the women's game into the stratosphere with how good that that those two teams are. Mm-hmm. But... We'll see. Again, game one's happening this Sunday, uh, September 24th. We'll see if Cajun's right with Connecticut upsetting the New York Liberty in game one in Brooklyn, or if I'm right and they steal game two Connecticut in Brooklyn. But with that, that'll be it here for us. Four polar opposites for Cajun Theory with Danny Coslam. I'm Spencer Byers. Thank you so much for taking us in today. We'll be back same time, same time, or same time, same day next week here on the Outrage Inc. Thank you.